Welcome to the Uncomfortable Truth Podcast, hosted by the rock star of consulting, Alan Weiss. Be prepared to have your beliefs challenged and your behaviors questioned. Welcome back to the Uncomfortable Truth. This episode is Overhead Overboard. It's about how to get rid of expenses, particularly overhead, and some ideas I have for you. When I was fired in uh, 1985, I went out on my own, and uh, the first thing I said to my wife was, let's look for an office. And my wife said, why do you need an office? I said, well, I'm on my own, I'm a consultant, you know, I need an office. She said, well, use your den, but you're not going to have people coming to you right now, you're going to be going to them. Don't forget, this is pre-internet and pre-Zoom and pre-Skype and pre-all that. She said, I'll make you a deal. If you find that people need to come to you, then we'll go look for an office. But until then, why spend the money? We don't have that much. I said, okay. And over the next 21 years, and to this day for that matter, uh, I never did have an office. But I will tell you this. While my wife and I are products of the public school system, when it used to be very good, our two kids went to private school from preschool through kindergarten through high school and through college. And we paid for all of their tuition in all of those schools. My kids had no tuition debt. And when they graduated from undergraduate school, the combined monies I paid in tuition amounted to $450,000. That's probably a lot more today, but don't forget, this is, you know, 20 years ago or whatever. And when I calculated what the office would have cost me in terms of rent or purchase or lease, and somebody to staff it, and insurance, and repairs, and property tax, and whatnot, it came to about $450,000. So not having an office paid for my kids in private school for their entire educational lives. I'm not making that up. And so I want to talk to you about how you can keep what you make, because it's not what you make, it's what you keep. I've never had an employee, ever. My wife is on the payroll because she's the uh, vice president and treasurer of the company, or something like that. But that's it. It's just the two of us. If I had employees, they would have to share in our retirement packages and our health plans and so forth. But I never needed employees. And although people think I have a huge ego, I've never had an ego that said I need to prove myself by having employees, real or virtual. I've never had a virtual assistant. I think they're virtually useless, but that's me. But what I'm telling you is don't default to employees. It doesn't make you look better. It doesn't give you substance. I called my company Summit Consulting Group, Inc. when I founded it to give a feeling of heft with the group. I never should have done that because people would ask me how big your company is and I would have to tap dance. Well, you know, I know people down the block. And so you don't need employees. You want people to work for you who can be in and out quickly. Subcontractors, even people from the client for that matter. But people in and out quickly who you tell never read Alan Weiss's books and they charge you by the hour. You put a cap on their hours and you're all set. I've tended to use subcontractors when I've needed them, the same ones for a long time, because you have their loyalty, you don't have to reteach them how to work, they know the drill. You never talk to a buyer, you never pitch your own stuff, you observe my copyrights, and so forth and so on. And so this creates a nice long-term relationship when needed. Always collect monies due you on time or early. On time or early, and your deal is with the client, your deal is with the buyer. Your deal is not with procurement or accounts payable. These are people who are paid not to pay you. And so, I don't charge 30 days net. I charge due on receipt for expense reimbursements. And if they're not received within about two weeks after that, I'm down on the client like the wrath of God. And I say to the buyer, we, we, you and I, have a problem. As most of you know, 
Uh, I try to get paid in advance, and I'm largely successful at that. Uh, I wrote a book with a guy named Phil Simchich, who's a former client of mine, um, Wealth Builders, and we talked about in that book the concept of total days to cash. And so if your total days to cash is 10 or 20 days, that's pretty good. You have use of your money fairly quickly. If total days to cash is 60 or 90 days, which a lot of companies will pull on you, that's not very good. You are losing money. If total days to cash is at the end of the assignment, you're in very bad shape because the assignment will never end. And you have no leverage in that case to stop working because you're really done working. My total days to cash are negative. I'm paid before I even start doing anything. And so one way to keep as much as possible of what you make is to collect the money early and to be ruthless about collecting it when it's overdue. Now, I'm not suggesting that you sacrifice well-being. I'm all for first-class air travel and limos and hotel suites. I charge the client the equivalent of what his people fly by. If his people fly coach in the U.S., I charge them for coach airfare. If they fly business class overseas, I fly them for business class charge them for business class, even though I'm upgrading to first class any place I can. I charge for a normal taxi or Uber, even though I might be taking a limo. And I charge for a normal Marriott room, even though I don't stay in Marriott's, and I get suites in the Four Seasons or the Peninsula or wherever. It's no problem doing it that way. You have to take care of yourself. But I would ban any kind of personal fanaticism you have if you want to improve your margins. Now, what do I mean by personal fanaticism? I mean, don't have seven hard drive backups. You don't need them. I don't care what people tell you. You know, I mean, I had a guy tell me the other day, he's a dog trainer, that milk bones cause cancer. I promptly looked that up and it's an absolute myth. It's fictitious. People believe a lot of crap. So you don't need all these backups. You don't need version 7.1.2-A34 on all your apps. When I worked at Prudential, when I first got out of undergraduate school, I was in a hotshot management program and I was managing this small group of employees. And I noticed everything, of course, was longhand. There were no computers. We sent a triplicate copy of everything in claims to the Scranton files. And after a few months of this, I asked about what the Scranton files are or were. And of course, they're in Scranton, Pennsylvania. But we worked in Newark, which was Prudential Insurance's headquarters. And so I started making some phone calls. And I found that in the 1950s, I am not making this up, in the 1950s, Prudential bought abandoned coal mines around Scranton, which were very deep and supposedly immune from nuclear attack and radiation. And they buried a triplicate copy of all their transactions, their sales and claims and so forth, so that in the event that the world ended, they could all come back up to the surface and start processing insurance again. Can you imagine this? Then I wondered... Where was the triplicate copy going since there were no more Scranton files? And I found out that they were junked. <laughs> they were just tossed out. And once I did away with that, our productivity improved because there was no more triplicate copy being made or sent. And so my advice to you is to question what you're doing. Don't automatically upgrade anything unless it turns out you really need it. You know, I tell people I drive a seven-year-old Chevy. And what I'm driving is a 2016 Corvette Stingray uh, Z06 because it's the last of the stick shift, seven-speed manual stick shift, but it depends how you explain things. It's a seven-year-old Chevy, or it's one of the hottest cars on the road. In your company, create favorable bylaws. One of the bylaws of my company, which is a subchapter S, and you might have an LLC. If you have something else, you got a problem. 
uh, is that any non-reimbursed medical or health expenses paid for by my company, for my wife and myself, that is for all employees. And so if we buy aspirin or get a new pair of glasses or whatever it happens to be that insurance does not cover, the company pays for it. That means it's being paid from pre-tax money, not after-tax money. And that makes a huge difference. Yeah, I'm not going to bother to do the calculations, but I'll tell you this. If you're making, say, $400,000 working for a large organization, you'll make the same amount net if you're making about $300,000 for yourself. So before-tax money is extremely important. You need to maximize your retirement options as young and as fast as you can. And some of these have a makeup period. If you miss some years, you can make them up. But I'm talking IRA, SEP IRA, Roth IRA, 401ks, you name it. But once I learned how important these were, I maximized everything that we could put into it. Now, if you had that money to invest on your own without the government doing it, you'd do much better, but that's not the law of the land. But if you put a lot of money away in there, you know, right now I've been collecting Social Security, believe it or not, at the maximum rate you possibly can, you know, for the last six or seven years, and will continue to as long as I can record these broadcasts. Uh, minimize your meetings. Minimize the amounts of them and the duration of them. I don't care who they're with. Uh, but this is what costs you money because it costs you time. When I started my mentor program, after people were asking me questions for free and I was dumb enough to answer them after the first million dollar consulting came out in 1992, and I decided to charge people 3500 bucks to be mentored for six months, my wife asked me where I got that magic number, and I told her it was the monthly lease on the Ferrari, and if I got 12 people, I'd pay for the car for a year. I got a lot more than 12 people, and here I am today. But I learned when I didn't accept any small talk. How you doing? How are you? How's the kids? Where's your dog? I didn't do that. And that's when my famous, what's your point? What's your question started? And the reason I didn't do it is I made a calculation, and the calculation was this. If I spent two minutes in additional on every mentor call for a year, now two minutes for every mentor call with all of my mentorees every week, it would cost me a month of my time. An entire month would disappear taking those two minutes with each call. So confine your amount of meetings, confine their duration, cancel them if you can. Invest in top expertise to save money. I have a great bookkeeper. I have a crackerjack great accounting firm. I've got wonderful legal help. I've got great design help, technological help. And they're high quality and they cost money. But they save me money because I'm not doing failure work or doing dumb things myself like trying to do my taxes myself, which is idiotic. I don't care how well you know Quicken. And so invest to save. That's a different kind of concept, isn't it? But that's what you can do. I have some news for you, which will irritate a lot of you, but that's my job. In your business, in the corporate world, websites are not sales tools. They're credibility statements, but they're not sales tools. Don't spend a hell of a lot of money on them. You know, don't worry about updating them every three days. If I were you, I'd have a picture of you that's not 30 years old, and I'd have some testimonials, and I'd have some case studies, and I'd have maybe a client list and some typical client results. But don't go crazy with elaborate websites, unless you're in the retail business like I am, or you're a professional speaker who needs a demonstration, you know, a video reel, uh, a demo reel, so that people can judge how good you are. So let me say in um, summation of all this, what you and I are interested in, one would hope, is success, not perfection. Doesn't matter that someone has a newer hard drive or a fancier pair of lights for Zoom calls. It does not matter. What matters is the content. What matters is the value. What matters is how people are improved. I hope you're improved somewhat by this. I'll see you next time.
You've been listening to The Uncomfortable Truth with Alan Weiss. For free access to Alan's newsletters, audio and video resources, and for information about his global events and coaching communities, please visit alanweiss.com. Thanks for listening. Keep the faith.